turn to Exodus chapter 20. We're returning to our series we've been in on the Ten Commandments. And um, you're going to be where we have been over the past several weeks on uh, Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, one's been provided for you in the seat in front of you. And in those Bibles, we're going to be on page 35. So you can find that if you need one. If you don't have a Bible, take that with you. That's our gift to you. We want you to have a a Bible. So uh, feel free to just take that home with you so you will have one. Um, And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, this is what we read. (coughs) And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who, keep, who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do no, you shall not do any work, You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. (coughs) One of the movies that is a must-watch for the Sharp family during the Christmas holidays is the 1947 Frank Capra classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody else like that movie? It's a great movie. One of the great characters in that film is George Bailey's Uncle Billy. Remember Uncle Billy? He was cool. Played by Thomas Mitchell, Uncle Billy had a pet crow, which when I was a little kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. I don't think it would be that cool anymore. But I thought it would be cool to have a pet crow. He was also, though, one of the key elements of his character was that he was a forgetful mess. In fact, the, the highlight, the, the apex of the story um, has to do with him being a forgetful mess. And this was a fact that he tried to counteract by tying pieces of string around his fingers uh, to remind him of various appointments and duties that he was required to perform throughout his cluttered day. Do you remember that, seeing the image of his hand with all the strings around his fingers? Now, I realize that we've got a diverse crowd, different age groups here. This may seem odd. It may seem completely odd, completely archaic to many of you um, who are less than 30 or 40 years old. You've grown up with digital chirping devices in in your pocket to remind you of every single thing that you could possibly need reminding of. Uh, you, you, uh, uh, you may not have any concept of why somebody would do that, tie a string around their finger. But I actually remember, I seriously have memories of this, of my mother tying strings around my chubby little fingers to remind me to turn in a paper or to pay a school lunch bill. And guess what? It worked. I have no idea how that worked, but it worked. 
So that was something. Anybody else remember that at all? Anybody ever, ever tie a okay, Shannon, uh, tie a string around their finger? Well, today we're going to be taking a look at the fourth commandment in our current series on the Ten Commandments. It, it's the last commandment in the list that directly instructs us how we're to worship and to relate to Yahweh God. The commandment simply stated is this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's an interesting commandment in what it requires. Let me explain what I mean by that. The first three commandments start by establishing some sort of restriction. They state in the negative either you shall have no or you shall not. But the fourth commandment begins with a word that tells us what to do as opposed to what we're forbidden to do. The first word is remember. John Calvin, in speaking of this commandment, commented that, quote, we know how prone people are to fall into indifference unless they have some props to lean on or some stimulants to remind them in maintaining their care and zeal for spiritual things. He's saying that we need elements, we need props, we need things that will remind us of how we're to respond to God. His his, uh, assessment is that the Sabbath is one of those things. While there are many facets to the Sabbath that we're going to discuss today, Calvin is saying that its primary purpose, the primary purpose of the Sabbath, is to be God's string around our finger to remind us who our source is and on what basis we are redeemed. And we need such a reminder for the simple reason, if you haven't figured this out yet, that we are all prone to forget. Anybody own up to that accusation this morning? Man, I'm telling you, I can read my Bible solid all week long, and by Friday I've forgotten what I read. We're just prone to forget in our humanness, our fallenness, our sinfulness. Our best intentions to remember that which is vital to our spiritual well-being quickly dissolve into a foggy haze of false urgencies, of missed opportunities and loathsome regrets. We need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. Because of this, we need constant reminders in order to remember the Lord, to pursue him faithfully, and to love him passionately. Throughout the scriptures, he provided such reminders. Remember in Genesis, he provides a rainbow as the symbol of his covenant of peace with the people after the flood. In the New Testament, even our marriages are held up as symbols of Christ's covenant love for us. And there's no reminder of God's love that has been given to us that's power, as powerful as the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 6.14 says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In a very similar fashion, the Sabbath stands across the covenants as a perpetual reminder to us of our need to keep God and our relationship to him forever at the forefront of our hearts and minds. There are several things that the Sabbath teaches us about God. First, we're reminded by the Sabbath from whom it is that all of our blessings flow. If there's one thing that I'm prone to forget, I, I tend to fall into this crazy deception that I'm actually contributing to the good life for myself. Anybody else with me on that? I, I, I think I contribute way too much to my own uh, ability to be satisfied and provided for. 
I forget that. But the Sabbath does this amazing thing. It shows me exactly where all my blessings flow. Let's read that one portion of it again. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. God restricts his people to a maximum six-day work week. It's on these six days for the Jews beginning at sundown on Saturday and lasting through sundown on Friday that they were required to do all the work that the week demanded. Not only was the seventh day a Sabbath from work, so they would have much-needed time off. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But it was also a Sabbath to the Lord their God. While work was prohibited, that did not mean that they were just to veg out. Rather, they were to turn their attention to God and to find their refreshment in Him that they would otherwise find in other places. We find in other places in the law, beyond the Ten Commandments, that it was appropriate on the Sabbath to gather at the temple. Well, that took some work. It was even appropriate to offer sacrifices, and a couple of the festivals were actually placed on the Sabbath. So it wasn't that they couldn't do anything. They just had to not do anything that was focused on themselves. So the work that was prohibited was the kind that increases our personal wealth or builds our private kingdoms while we're neglecting our bodies, our families, and God. But to give one-seventh of their week to resting And remembering God was their divinely appointed way of saying that everything they needed came from God and they, because of that, could opt out of the rat race. Doesn't that sound just liberating to you? That you don't just have to keep spinning your wheels because God has provided a a way for you to remember where it's all coming from anyway. This principle was already illustrated for them, for the children of Israel, in the ordinances given to them concerning the manna that fell miraculously from the sky to feed them during their 40-day journey in the wilderness. On the sixth day before the Sabbath, twice as much manna was provided for them, so they would not have to gather any on the Sabbath. In fact, they were prohibited from doing so. This taught them that God, and God alone, was their provider, rather, and that their labors added nothing to his ability to provide. Listen, you can work three days or five days or seven days and you will not add anything to God's ability to provide for you. You may amass a certain degree of wealth. You may uh, uh, find some, some, your pockets lined with some money, but, it, but God is able without any help from you to provide for you. And what a blessing it is when we do it his way and not our own. Amen? Secondly, the Sabbath reminded them that they were distinct from other peoples. And this is something that a lot of times in 2019 in the Western church we've lost. The Sabbath screamed this message that you are distinct from other people. See, the people of other nations, they may have taken time to rest, but they would not have thought for one minute of extending that privilege to their children or to their slaves or even to their livestock or even to the resident aliens living in their midst. But listen again to God's commandment for his people. He said, on the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, 
or you're the sojourner that, who is within your gates. The Sabbath was to be a mark of distinction, both for the Israelites and for those living in their domain. It was to be a curiosity, a total head-scratcher among the nations. That, that in honoring their God with one day out of seven, these people would acknowledge and celebrate their divine provision, and beyond that, they would be refreshed for a whole other week. This privilege would extend to everyone who sought shelter in the God of Israel, native-born or alien, human or livestock. No other nation had anything that could compare to this privilege of God's covenant people. And we shouldn't overlook the fact, or we shouldn't overlook the value of the 24 hours of rest that was granted by God for his people. This is something, and hear me carefully, because I know many of us are guilty. I'm guilty. This is something that we in America could really learn from. Here, true rest, when someone says, nope, I'm unplugging completely, from, from not only work, but from my phone, from the Internet, when someone truly unplugs, oftentimes they're judged and even frowned upon. What's the matter with you? You've got to answer your phone. Come on. People boast that they're hardworking and they view anyone who takes frequent intentional breaks as just lazy. Most of us get a day or two off from our jobs each week, but instead of truly resting, instead of truly unplugging, we start planning all the other things we really want to do or we feel that we have to do on the weekend. So we run our kids around to every sport, we run off to the lake, we shop all day, we start another expensive and time-consuming home improvement project. The one thing that we rarely do is truly rest. Before we get extended time off in the summer, we, plan, we spend months and sometimes even years planning how we can squeeze every ounce of fun out of our time off. Dadgummit, that mouse is going to make me happy. And after two weeks... We return home, we're exhausted, we're sunburned and deeply in debt, and we feel like we need a vacation to recover from our vacation. Anybody ever been there? But listen by contrast, listen by contrast to the heart of your Father God. This is so beautiful. Psalms 103, starting in verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. So it says that God, the God that gave us the Sabbath, is a compassionate, tender God who loves us and wants what's best for us. It says he remembers our frame. That means he remembers the way we're constructed. And he knows that in our very essence, we are just dirt. We're just dust. That's what he formed us out of. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. Watch this. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children. Now watch this. To those who keep his covenant and remember. There's that word again. To do his commandments. So those who intentionally set their minds on obeying the Lord, even in this seemingly throwaway commandment about the Sabbath. I say it's seemingly throwaway because a lot of us frequently throw it away. Even when we, when we faithfully honor his covenant and remember his commandments, it is a blessing to us. That's what Psalms 103 is saying. God knows how to take care of you better than you do. 
He knows how to take care of you. He knows what you need. He designed you. He knows that your physical body as well as your soul needs genuine rest. You can only truly function for so long without it. Jesus actually said that the Sabbath, listen to this, it's incredible. Because in Jesus' day, there were a bunch of Pharisees that, that man, they would, they would just make themselves the Sabbath police. And they'd watch you. And if you picked up a little piece of trash on the Sabbath, they would accuse you of being a Sabbath breaker. But Jesus comes along and he says, guess what? The Sabbath thing, my father made that for man. He didn't make man for the Sabbath just to give him another set of rules. He made the Sabbath for the benefit of man. And then he adds this other bombshell on top of that. He says, guess what also? I, Jesus speaking, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was designed by God for human flourishing. The Sabbath was also designed to highlight God's role as the creator of the entire cosmos <coughs> and the order he used in, constru- in creating the cosmos. And for in six days, Moses says through God, God says through Moses in the, in the book of Exodus, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath is made holy in that it's a reflection of God's order when he created the universe. He spread his labor across six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Now, if I can be honest with you, this kind of bothered me when I was a kid. This is why. Because this order of creation is obviously in anticipation of the Sabbath as a gift that God would eventually give to his people. Why do I say that? First, how many of you would agree with me that God is absolutely limitless in his power? Raise your hand. Absolutely limitless. And therefore, because of that, he could have easily created the earth, the the world, the, the cosmos, everything in it. He could have created that in six nanoseconds if he'd wanted to. Or less. He could have as opposed to six days. So what he was doing, he was demonstrating a human pattern of progressively advancing order and dominion, of improvement and refinement. This was seen in both creation and the coming of the kingdom of God with Jesus. He was progressing towards something. But also, that's not all of it, we also know that that God does not need, as we so desperately do, God does not need rest. Even Psalms 121 says, behold, he who keeps Israel, the, the, the Lord, the Father, the God, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. His ceasing from labor and resting was showing us the value of reflecting on our labor, not just being worker bees and, and plow, just you know plowing away till we're dead. He was showing us the value of of resting and reflecting on our labor and being refreshed from it, though he himself needed no such refreshment. In remembering the Sabbath, we honor God by reflecting his creative pattern. And when we reflect his creative pattern, guess what we're doing? We're acknowledging his supremacy. But there's also another reminder in the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses repeats the entire Ten Commandments to the people before 
they enter the promised land. Remember, they, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. The entire generation that came out of Egypt dropped dead in the wilderness because of their rebellion. And, and these two versions, the, the one in Exodus 20 that we've been reading and this one in Deuteronomy 5 that we haven't read, they're almost identical. But in the fourth commandment, as stated in Deuteronomy, we see a notable difference. Instead of reminding people of God's creation in the fourth commandment, Moses reminds them of his redemption. These are the words that replace the creation reminder in, in Exodus. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 5.15, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now think about those words. Therefore, you were a slave. Therefore, the Lord God, your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why would the fact that God delivered, them from, uh, delivered the people of Israel from slavery ex- obligate them to take a day off to rest and turn their attention to God? We actually don't understand the answer to that question until after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And the book of Hebrews is written for us. The theology of the Sabbath day is, the, is an overarching theme in that book. And it's here that God's created order and his redemption of his people, a people for himself, they kind of collide in the book of Exodus, in the book of Hebrews, rather. In chapter 4 of Hebrews, the writer of that book quotes King David from Psalm 95, yet he attributes the quote not to David, but directly to the Holy Spirit. The quote is in reference to the Israelites and their rebellion as they're traveling through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. In this quote, God says that because of their hardened hearts and their rebellion, the people will not enter into his rest, meaning that they will not enter the promised land. By their sin and their self-reliance, they have forfeited the promised land. And we know that's exactly what happened. Over the course of 40 years, that entire rebellious generation, as I already said, fell dead in the burning sands of the wilderness. Only their children and grandchildren inherited the land. But the Holy Spirit, through David, uses a curious term as he is encouraging his readers to enter into God's rest. This is what he says. He says, today, today, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Why is this curious? Because King David, who originally wrote these words, was born almost 300 years after the exodus. He was born more than 200 years after the promised land was settled. And yet he speaks of an opportunity that exists to enter God's rest today. And because of this, the writer of Hebrews makes this astounding just uh, conclusion. He says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. This more than any other thing is the meaning of the Sabbath for us New Covenant believers. It reminds us that God has ceased from his labor. This, what does that mean? It, this is the reality that caused Jesus Christ to cry out from the cross as he was dying on it. He said, it is finished. God is not still working to get you saved. 
He has done everything necessary to open up the gates of heaven for you. He's done. He's through. It is finished. And because of this, because God has ceased from his labor, finishing it on the cross, you and I can also cease from our labor, striving to live righteously enough to earn God's favor. You don't have to do that anymore. We're invited to recognize that his finished work is enough for us so that we can begin to truly rest in him. So from now on, every Sunday is not just a day of rest for our bodies, but it's a reminder of a great deliverance that's been given to us by Christ's work alone and not by any of our own labor. Now, I just said every Sunday, I can imagine there's some theological wonderkind out there that is tightly gripping your penalty flag, ready to toss it right at me on the basis of the fact that in the scriptures, the Sabbath always refers to what day? Saturday, not Sunday. Let me briefly comment on that. Jesus was raised not on the Sabbath day, but on the first day of the week, which is? making that day holy for early believers. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the first day of the week, which is, and not the Sabbath. Making note of those two things, the record of the New Testament is clear. The early believers chose to gather on Sunday, calling it the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, as opposed to Saturday, which was the last day of the week, because they believed that God had sanctified that day by the resurrection of Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just think, just think for a minute what a beautiful picture that paints for us. Think about this. Don't just say, okay, we used to do Saturday, now we do Sunday and be satisfied with that. Think about the why of that. Under the old covenant, you would work for six days, your brow sweating, putting all your labor forward, forward, so that you could finally enter God's rest on the last day. But under the new covenant, under the new and better covenant, someone has done all the work for us. So we begin the new covenant by entering into rest on the first day. We enter into rest on the first day, and then, and only then, we proceed to our labor, empowered by him, and working not for our own survival, but for his glory. The Sabbath changes everything. Today, as we come to the table of the Lord, I want to invite you to remember what Christ has done so that you could enter into his perfect rest. I want to invite you to repent if you've neglected both the rest that the gospel provides by not believing in it, by working your own way, trying to build your own ladder to heaven, or by striving to be good enough to earn something from God. I also want to invite you to repent if you've even neglected the actual physical rest required for both you and your body and your soul that the, the the, the Sabbath provides. Let the symbols of the broken body and shed blood of Christ remind you of what has been accomplished for you and take up the invitation 
to enter into his rest. Let these elements, like the Sabbath, be a holy string around your finger to remind you of what's been accomplished for you if you are among those who believe. Let's all stand together. There's two commandments in the Ten Commandments. We'll talk about the other one later, but that people often feel like either don't have a lot of bearing on their lives right now or that, that you know, God's surely not that serious about what he requires in them. This is one of them. We, we live in a culture where um, we make it to church if we have time. When I was growing up, I, I said last time when I preached about taking the Lord's name in vain, that was the no cussing commandment, and I told you how that it actually means a whole lot more. Well, this was always the go to church commandment. And as I've tried to say, I didn't even mention that this week, but as I I tried to uh, show you, it means so much more. It's more about entering into the rest that Christ has provided. But one of the things that we do to do that is we come to God's house, to to the the place where his family gathers. This this building is just a building. It's not mystical in that it's God's house. We call it God's house because it's where his family gathers. And, And sometimes we just that because we're, we're, we're and it's not because you know uh, there, there's this you know you should feel guilty or whatever that's not what I'm trying to get at I, I mean the Bible does command us to gather together but that's not even what I'm getting at what I want you to see is that that we, we neglect what Sunday requires because you know we've just disregarded our need for a Sabbath we've just completely neglected it or we've taken the Sabbath as what God intended and made it just a selfish thing for ourselves. So that's one area where I'd like to just invite you to repent. If you're one of our many twice a month people, once a month people, I just want to invite you to repent of that and just say, I want to start honoring the Sabbath in a way that honors God and, and, and uplifts the spirit of what he intended in the Sabbath. I just want to invite you to repent of that. Others of you just need to repent because you cannot take a day off. You just think that you've got to keep your wheels moving so that you can, um, you know, make sure you have enough. Listen, it's not your job to make sure you have enough. God has already promised in the Sermon on the Mount that you will have enough if you're following him. He promised it. Do you believe it? So repent of that today begin to honor the Sabbath of the Lord. But ultimately, as I said, this is mostly about those of you who would continue in your own labors to try to be good enough to try to work your way in heaven. Many of you today need to repent because you have not yet entered into his rest, but you've had a stubborn and rebellious heart. And you need to look at God and say, God, I give up. I want in. And Lord, I just come to you receive the rest that I can only have from you. I would love to pray with you if, if, that's, if that's you, if you're here today. Let's just take a few seconds of just kind of some silence and just ask the Lord to deal with you in any of those areas or ones that I didn't mention. Just ask the Lord to point out to you what he wants from you this morning. How you may have violated this commandment that was really designed only
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Could I have my communion workers, please? Father, we give thanks this morning for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. He is our Sabbath rest. Lord, this bread and this this cup are the ultimate string around our finger to remind us, to help us remember what you've done. We do this in remembrance of you, Lord. God, let it be a reminder to us today that we don't have to strive and labor and sweat just to make a, a... a dent in this world, Lord God. You've already provided, as Paul said earlier, everything we need for life and godliness. So God, I pray that you would really convict our hearts of that truth and let us come and reconnect with you to remember at this table what you have done, what you have provided to give us true rest from our labor. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to come.
goodness in our lives this week as we go out. I ask that we recognize your sacrifice and what you did at the cross.